all Christian theology is unpacking the gospel for all of life or looking at the God behind the gospel. And evangelism is spreading that doctrine into the world. It's indoctrinizing the nations. It's a theological work. Evangelism is theological work. If the ordinary life of your church is not a growing witness itself, then you need to do some inreach and look carefully at what you're doing if it's not getting the attention of your neighbors and your community. You're listening to the Holy Joys Podcast, co-hosted by Jonathan Arnold and Dr. David Fry. Visit us at holyjoys.org and stay tuned for weekly discussions of theology and ministry practice, all for a holy, happy church. Welcome back to the Holy Joys Podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've recorded, but excited to be together to talk about evangelism and being a missional church. And we were both recently at the Heartland Bible Methodist Ministerial and R.G. Hutchinson shared on missional DNA. And I've been talking to our church about uh, the need to be uh, outreach focused, evangelistic, uh, redemptive presence in our community. And so this this message was very timely. And I, I really appreciated how uh, R.G. Hutchinson talked about the fact that a heart for the world, a heart for the nations, a heart for the lost, it comes from God and it flows uh, to the church through the church's union with Christ, the savior of the nations. And that, that that love for evangelism, that love for the lost is already part of our DNA. It's just uh, needing to be activated. It's latent within the body until it's activated. And once it's activated, it compels us to engage locally and also globally um, and and conveys a, a kind of urgency that it matters now. We need to reach out now in our communities. So uh, what I'd love to do in this episode is just talk about our approach to evangelism and outreach. How do we activate that missional DNA that's latent in the body? Yeah, so as a pastor theologian, I think it is uh, we are in a unique place between uh theory and practice where we bring those two together and so today we're going to uh be heavy on the practice side um and it's probably an indictment on theology in general uh or theologians in general that uh, as Michael Green points out in his book uh, evangelism in the early church that you don't meet too many theologians who are interested in evangelism mm. and you don't meet very many uh, evangelists who seem very interested in theology. So we've got to bring those two together. Right. And you mentioned uh, Dr. Hutchison. Uh, I think he absolutely did a fantastic job in addressing this, uh, this missional DNA as, as you mentioned, and uh, it is there because the church is formed by the Holy Spirit, is is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does, mm-hmm. is empowers the believer for not only uh, pure living, but for witness. And that, of course, is what the book of Acts is, is really driving at. And so uh, you sent me uh, an outline. So I think we just want to go through these points. And these are just really uh, boots on the ground ideas, uh, concepts that we can talk through 
And I think there's an order here too that's important as yeah. we talk through. Yeah, before we jump into that, uh, just a scripture that came to mind as you're talking there, I think you made a great point. Pastor theologians must be evangelists. It's not an option. Uh, mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 4 says, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, pastor at Ephesus, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So strong emphasis on teaching, because then the next verse says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So, you know, verses one to four, there really strong emphasis on teach, teach, teach doctrine, deploy doctrine, apply doctrine to life. And then verse five, he seamlessly shifts here. It's not even a shift, really. Uh, these two things can't be separated. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill mm-hmm. your ministry. So we don't uh, ever want to forget that we never leave the gospel behind. All Christian theology is unpacking the gospel for all of life or looking at the God behind the gospel. Um, And evangelism is uh, spreading that doctrine into the world. It's it's indoctrinizing the nations. It is. It's a theological work. Evangelism is theological work. And probably the worst approaches to evangelism are very soft on truth, very soft Mm -hmm. on doctrine. And we don't Mm -hmm. want to leave our theology behind when we evangelize, but we also don't want to become insular and and, uh, inwardly focused. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up because uh, that is one, as I count them, one of five lists in the pastoral epistles in which Paul lays out. Uh, what I call the the ordinary responsibilities or duties of a pastor, mm-hmm. and that includes, of course, evangelism. So everything in those lists, uh, including the list you just read there from Second Timothy four, uh, everything there is part of the ordinary duties of a pastor elder. Mm-hmm. In other words, evangelism as well as all the other duties; those are not things that we do sometimes. Those are not things that we do infrequently or just when we feel like it. Those are the ordinary, regular expectations of every pastor, every elder. And if we, if I am not being faithful to that, I am not being faithful to the ordinary responsibilities of a shepherd. Mm-hmm. When Peter says to care for the flock of God, he is he is i believe referring to these ordinary duties of a shepherd uh and so evangelism is is one of those uh, ordinary duties there's there's a list of again i i think there are five lists of those ordinary duties uh sometime in another episode we'll go through those and uh, talk about what that includes and how many duties how, you know how we count those and what they uh what they uh, entail yeah, I don't want to take up too much time in preliminaries. I keep thinking of things though. Really, really quickly, my personal story. So I I came to faith reading the Bible in public high school, and I just had this 
I mean, right away, the Bible unlocked that missional DNA that was implanted in me by the spirit, you know, use R.G. Hutchinson's language. And I just was so hungry to share what I was learning um, that even before I found a church to start attending, I was I invited like all these guys from the football team to go do a Bible study at the local sportsman club. I called up the uh, nursing home and asked if there was anybody that didn't get any visits. And I started visiting this lady. I took a Bible to my register at, at the grocery store. And, and I mean, I shared the gospel with so many people. I, I remember like preaching to this one young kid in the line on the way to choir. And he was like under conviction. And I was such, I was like, such a passionate evangelist. Part of it was I was reading about the, the evangelical awakenings and the great awakenings. And so like the first books I cut my teeth on were evangelistic in, in nature. And then I went into the church as a pastor. And now my focus shifted to the flock and equipping them to do that. But my heart and passion for evangelism was squashed by a lack of health and discipleship initiative in the body. Because when I was reaching people, I wanted to bring them into the church where they could grow and be discipled. And I didn't have confidence that we were going to meet them with a plan or a method as Methodists for seeing them grow and develop. And it just, it just discouraged me. So I have spent the last several years of my life pouring into discipleship and how do we do this? And and I want it to be flexible. I want it to be realistic. I want it to be thoroughly biblical and theologically robust. And I want it to, to take people who are hungry and gifted and called all the way through to leadership and eldership, if, if that's how God leads them. And I've spent so many hours, endless hours um, on discipleship, 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 in reach, as you call it. And um, I told our church over and over again over the last two years, we are focused on inReach right now. We are strengthening our foundations because we must be healthy if we are going to bring people into this church and be a redemptive presence in the community. But we just had our grand opening. We just baptized our people, brought in members. And my heart is it is time to focus on outreach. So this is really a pivotal moment for me in my own life and ministry, where now for the next year or two, I'm going to give about 70% of my effort to, to outreach and evangelism. Now, at some point, my goal is that we would have a healthy balance where it's about 50-50. Um, we got to maintain that tension, that balanced tension. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about this. And so this is the beginning. This conversation, in some ways, is the beginning of me now uh, – Lord willing, God is my helper, giving as much effort and attention to outreach as I've given to in-reach over the last several years of my life. Yeah, I think that attention is well worth it. I think you'll find out that uh, the effort that you've put into in-reach and preparing your congregation to be uh, to provide a healthy place for um, unhealthy people to come into and be nursed to health and then become a part of the 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 contribution that the church of god is uh that's worthwhile and now i don't i i, I think we uh as we look forward to evangelism and, and those who are in church leadership especially as they're thinking about hey you know wait we need to do some preparation in our own church uh, i think as as you have mentioned you know, you you've taken the last you know couple of years and really focused on that uh, and I think having that time frame, I think two years is, is a very reasonable amount of time uh, 
probably if uh, if, if you drug that out for another two years, uh, you're probably going to start uh, you're, you're going to start seeing the health of the church actually deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go in out there too quickly, you would find out v- rather quickly that you're not really ready to cr- to provide the the intensive care that sinners need of the the body to to provide. And so there's a balance there. And I think that two year uh, window is a good good window to to aim for. But I remember. Uh, many years ago, being involved in leadership, uh, particular ministry, uh, outreach ministry. And uh, as I went into it, when I first became a leader of it, I began to speak with the the persons who were holding different positions within the organization. And what I realized is the organization was plagued with uh, ministers and leaders who had not taken care of themselves uh, spiritually and their their own their own health. Um, you know, there there weren't you know, it wasn't like we were uncovering you know a bunch of sin and that sort of thing. They were just, they were worn out. They they were going through the the motions. They had become uh, machines, and uh, they were just done. They 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 lost the heart, and the reason is because a hundred percent of the focus had been on the job of outreach mm-hmm. and zero emphasis or concern about the inreach, taking care of and raising up others who had come along behind them uh, and take their place. And so uh, I, that's really the turning point uh, that led then eventually to uh this distinction uh, that I've made between inreach and outreach, I think is so important. Yeah. So we have 10 minutes left before we get booted off zoom here. We normally use Zencaster and uh, they no longer offer the free recording plan. So that's going to force us to keep this to a reasonable length. How about this? Why don't I just give a quick overview of these four points and and the order of these four points, and then we can just have some general reflections, and maybe we can come back and have another episode where we talk in more depth about specific practical strategies. So uh, what I want to do is I want to move away from prioritizing a few approaches to outreach. First of all, it would be the events-driven approach to outreach, which I've seen so often. Let's have frequently throughout the year these rah-rah campaigns where we have these big flashy events. We do these really cool snazzy things to get people in. Um, At some level, appealing to the flesh, uh, which I don't think is helpful either, Right, Um, right. but uh, also just not sustainable heavy on resources, just not, not, I don't think a biblical model for one thing. Um, so really, really averse to that. So that's one thing. And then secondly is too much focus on cold calling. Now you'll see here, I think that that's valuable door knocking, things like that. I, I believe in, uh, I, I absolutely want to mobilize the church and I want to set the example of doing that when the weather gets nicer, um, Lord willing be out there every Saturday that I can knocking on doors for sure. But I think that that has become almost, um, it's almost been equated with, with outreach. So I want to, these four things in order, the order matters. Number one, I have relationship evangelism slash hospitality evangelism. So I, I'm not happy with hardly any of the actual titles that I'm giving to these, 
But the first thing is, uh, I believe every member of the church, whatever they're gifting, should be intentionally building relationships with right. their unsaved neighbors and coworkers, and through good works and hospitality, fostering that relationship, always with the goal of discussing that person's spiritual beliefs with them, sharing the gospel, a clear evangelistic message, um, which could be through a testimony, but you've got to have the essential aspects of the gospel there, and calling that person. This is this is essential too. There's got to be a call. There's got to be a, a call to action. Uh, always comes with the presentation of the gospel. Getting there at some point where that person has to make a choice to turn from sin, trust in Christ, and be baptized into the church, um, or reject Christ, um, or continue ex- at least continue exploring Him. So that would be number one. And so let me just share all four of these, and then we can kind of reflect big picture how they work together. And then number two, I really don't like the, the term here, but I can't think of something better at this point: community exposure. And and Joey Ratcliffe helped me to articulate this a little bit better. I really appreciate what he's trying to do. His, his thoughts are that. Um, Inviting people to church is an important part of outreach, but it shouldn't be inviting them to ordinarily an event, an outreach event. It should be inviting them to witness the ordinary, spirit-filled, life-transforming community of the body. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you think of all those verses about, uh, you know, they'll know you by your love for one another and an outsider comes from out, you know, outside and witnesses uh, your worship and the secrets of his heart are exposed. And he said, God is truly among you. So exposing them to the ordinary life, it should be a beautiful testimony to Christ and should draw others to him and his body. We shouldn't need anything else, but the ordinary life, the means of grace are enough to draw people. We don't need flashy events. So community exposure, getting people in to, to expose them to the body while clearly calling them to repentance and faith and baptism so they don't get the false impression that just by going to church, they're saved. Third would be cold calling. And again, uh, I need a better term here, but for lack of a better term for the time being, I'm talking about um, members with particular gifts. This is where I think there's a narrowing. Not everybody's going to do this. Um, although I think there's a lot of ways to get people involved in this, like in follow up sure. and sending cards and Absolutely. things like that. Right. But but I think the people that lead this this initiative, this is now a narrowing where every member can build relationships and share their testimony and talk to people about following Jesus. Everybody can invite others in and be a part of that body that witnesses to Christ. Some people are going to have the gift to at the grocery store checkout or at somebody's, you know, front of somebody's house, knocking on a door, share the gospel with them, share a track with them, uh, whatever, track distribution, door knocking, things like that. And then finally, I don't want to say advertising or marketing. I don't like some of the connotations there, but I've struggled to find something better. The idea here is that we make the community aware that there is a redemptive presence among them through a website, through flyers, through even you know, part of this is just inviting people to church, um, but everything we can do, showing up at the the community fair, having right. a booth there, or just you know passing out whatever. This is not pri- primarily outreach, but this is making people aware. Hey, there is a church in this community 
that loves people and is out here trying to care about them. And the idea there is that in times of crisis, especially, people know where to go to hear a message of hope and, and of healing. And so I think that's lowest priority, but I think it's it's essential. It's part of the overall package. So big picture, uh, we only have three and a half minutes left. <laughs> We're going to get booted off of here. Give me your big pre- uh, picture impressions, wrap this up, and then we will come back yeah. to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So let me make a comment first on, on the four points. I think, first of all, your fourth one, which is public awareness, I think it comes out of that community uh, presence, community exposure, your second point there. So I think those two are very closely related. Uh, obviously, number one, relationship, hospitality, evangelism, and cold calling. Uh, so one and three are a little are are much more um personal and individual based on on gifts and that sort of thing uh, so there's definitely a relationship between between 1 and 3 and then 2 and 4 now um we're going to expand I, a lot of ideas to expand all of these uh with uh, but let me go back to what you said before you presented this list uh, you mentioned uh in contrast to this list would be the sort of event driven outreach, uh, which is, uh, and there are certain, uh, let me give you a, a list of uh, uh, words alliterated uh, that are extraordinary uh, strategies that I don't think work well. One is the event uh, outreach. I don't think that works well. Second, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Entertainment doesn't work well as outreach. Third, uh, just to stay with the E words, uh, an ecstatic, providing ecstatic, highly emotional worship experience. Uh, loud, demonstrative, no space for silence, no space for uh, uh, contemplation or uh, the, you know the the more serious, uh, parts of of Christian worship; those are uh, outreach cannot be driven by those things for it to be effective. So, I think expanding that list of what we're con- uh, of the contrasts would be helpful as well. Um, and I and then I want to say this, and I think this is my last comment: the ordinary life of the church itself should be and will be a growing and expanding witness to the community of the gospel of Christ. If your ordinary, if the ordinary life of your church is not a growing witness itself, then you need to do some inreach and look carefully at what you're doing if it's not getting the attention of your neighbors and your community. Good. Let's wrap this up. I've got less than a minute. I think that's helpful. And uh, we'll come back to this. I think this is a good discussion that we're just getting started. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joys podcast. Email your questions to podcast at holyjoys.org and they may be featured on a future episode. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.